There was once a time that BlackBerry controlled large shares of the smartphone market. At 43% of the domestic market, 20% of the global market, the BlackBerry was a very strong smartphone. And then its CEO began to get complacent. Convinced that busy people wanted nothing but email on their phones, he did not go with the flow of times. He failed to innovate to the same degree that other companies were innovating and he failed and the company failed. How can we fight the trap of complacency? Join me, I'm Shmuley Halpern. This is the tale of the lion and the ox, a tale of two modes of leadership, a project of the Denver Community Kollel at denverkollel.org. The gift of life is the gift of opportunity. The choice is yours. Aim for greatness or be satisfied with mediocrity. So you aim for greatness, you're ambitious, you get going, and then you hit the road bumps. You hit failure, you hit frustration, you hit distractions. How do you deal with that? Or you start to succeed. That's another trap. How do you deal with success? How do you transcend the limits of complacency that success builds? How do you transcend the problem of arrogance? How do you deal with success is just as much of a challenge as how we deal with failure. And what I'd like to explore are two modes of self-development and leadership that we find expressed in the biblical figures Joseph, his brother Judah, and his descendant King David. On one side we have Joseph, on the other side we have Judah and his descendant David. There are two pathways up the mountain of life that these great figures represent. One is the path of focused strength. It's the path of greatness, the path of ambition. The other is the path of resiliency. Yosef Joseph, who rises from the dungeon to be the second most powerful man in Egypt, represents greatness, ambition, personal excellence. King David and Judah represent resilience. They bounce back from incredible failure to reach the most amazing greatness, ultimately paving the way for the Mashiach, for the return of a perfected world. So who was Yosef? Who was Joseph? He was a righteous man. He was a paradigm of moral strength. He always managed to turn dust into gold. He knew who he was wherever he found himself. He was able to make the best of the situation and advance his own growth through whichever situation he was placed in. As a young slave torn from his family, he becomes the most important person in the household of a court official of the Pharaoh. Handsome, incredibly successful. He manages to withstand the daily advances and seductions of his master's wife at the age of 17. Joseph represents someone with a moral compass who knows what they're worth, who knows what they're about, who has dreams and ambitions and doesn't waver, doesn't let anything distract him, doesn't let anything trip him up and ruin those dreams. Joseph is a dreamer with ambitions that he set out to conquer. He's calm, he's composed, wherever he finds himself, as he found himself on the way down to Egypt, being sold into slavery by his very own brothers who just tried to kill him. Not a very calm situation, but yet Yosef is composed. He knows who he is, he knows that he's placed here for a reason, and he knows that ultimately he's going to succeed. That's what Yosef is about. 
Yehuda, Judah, and his descendant David, on the other hand, they're all about resiliency. Yehuda is seduced by his daughter-in-law Tamar. Unlike Yosef, who succeeds, who withstands temptation, Judah falls for the temptation. Now, while the sages tell us that there's more to the story of why Judah fell for that temptation, and Judah was an incredibly righteous man, the bottom line is that he was in a situa- was in a very compromised situation. He had he had sinned, he had been seduced by his daughter-in-law Tamar, and now compounding that problem was the fact that Tamar was about to die because of the adultery that she had supposedly committed, when in fact it was really Judah himself that she'd had relations with. And what does Judah do? Judah admits to his lapse, and he comes up and he admits outright this child is mine. These children, these twins are mine. From this embarrassing union, Mashiach is born. Because resiliency is not about recovery. Resiliency is about transformation. Yehuda and then his descendant David use a powerful formula of humility, faith, and hope. And they bounce back from failure stronger than they ever were. In life, there are things we excel at. There are times, there are situations that bring out the best in us. We have to grab those opportunities. We have to really dig in and excel and soar. But then there are moments that test us. And sometimes we fail. Yosef and Yehuda, resiliency and excellency, resilience and excellence aren't mutually exclusive. Yosef teaches us how to discover our strength, how to learn how to focus, but David and his ancestor Judah teach us what we do when we fail, when we fall. And if we attempt to reach greatness, we will fall. Even Joseph had minor failures, but we certainly will fail. But do we stop dreaming? Do we stop trying? Yosef and Yehuda teach us, sorry, Yehuda and David teach us to dust ourselves off, to get back up and get back to work. We will prevail Our success is inevitable if we maintain our strength, our focus, our dreams. One day in the future, we'll look back at that failure and realize it wasn't a failure. It was a catalyst for our greatest success. Let's go back to our opening question. You have a corporation that begins and it comes with incredible confidence, incredible ambition, incredible entrepreneurship, and it reaches the sky. It succeeds to incredible standards. What happens very, very soon is arrogance, bureaucracy, complacency. Leadership has forgotten that the past should inform, but not define the future. How do we deal with this? Turns out there's two ways to deal with it. There's the David way and there's the Joseph way. The great poet John Keats advised that we acquire something he termed negative capability. According to Keats, we need to fight the need, our need for control. Our ego always loves a really clean explanation. Our ego loves saying, I got this. But that's not going to allow us to transcend complacency, arrogance, and bureaucracy. Rather, we need to suspend our judgment and humbly embrace uncertainty. Just because I had this yesterday doesn't in any way mean that I have it today. With humility, we manage to sneak a peek at that which is beyond us. We get past the borders, the parameters, the box that our perspectives yesterday 
that our perspectives of the past place us in. We see the puzzle. We are curious about the future. We're curious about what we don't know. We're puzzled by the unknown. We're puzzled by the mystery. We're puzzled by that which is past us. We're a little annoyed as well and stretched beyond our comfort zone. We're challenged to rethink our paradigms, our deeply held beliefs, and indeed our entire world are now under scrutiny. We're not so sure anymore. Yesterday, we had a nice, neat way of explaining the world. Today, we're confused. This process can be tedious and painful, but with consistency, the breakthrough will arrive. A person with humility, a person who understands that there's more than meets the eye, a person willing to toy with the challenge of the unknown can arrive at a brilliant flash of created understanding, of creative understanding, and an ability to see the world with a new pair of eyes. That makes the journey worthwhile. Again, it's painful to not be able to see perfectly and clearly, to not be able to think that we understand everything, that we have it all worked out. That's painful. Our ego doesn't like that one bit. But it's the only way or one of the only ways to allow us to achieve create creativity. And when we finally arrive at that flash of understanding, it was completely worthwhile to set aside our prejudices, to set aside our paradigms and perspectives, to set aside that box that we were stuck in because of our arrogance, because of our complacency. We are better than that. We, with humility, can achieve more greatness than we've achieved yesterday. And if we don't, as we see in the Blackberry story, if we don't, ultimately, what happens is failure. That's the path of Yehuda and David. Joseph, the dreamer, the, um, the one full of ambition, teaches us another way. Joseph teaches us they don't need to negate self to transcend the self that you have boxed yourself into be today. Joseph says you are transcendent already. You're much bigger than the person you make yourself out to be. You have incredible power within. You just need to uncover that inner essence. In the world of dreams, limits disappear. Take a moment to imagine anything was possible. What, mon what monumental goal would you focus on? What would you want to do? Who would you want to be? You can be anyone. So who do you want to be? The purpose of, this, of doing this exercise isn't fantasy, but reality. Because the truth is you can be more, but we get stuck, we get complacent. But with the power of Joseph's dreams, we can discover our true potential and realize that yesterday's reality is just a hint of tomorrow. That's one example. We have complacency. One way to deal with complacency is to be ambitious, is to always dream, to always realize that whatever you've achieved today, you have it in you to be more. And the other path is humility. The other path is self-negation, is to be something more than yourself as a general philosophy of life. And that allows you to transcend complacency. Take another example. Let's say someone is denigrating you, is bad-mouthing you. You have office politics. There's whispering at the water cooler. You're being accused of a failed contract, a botched product rollout, or whatever else might be going on. And the whole thing is false. How do you deal with that? 
How do you deal with the critics? How do you deal with the naysayers? How do you deal with the people who just don't believe in you? How do you deal with that? The Joseph way is to stand above the mess. Joseph knows his brothers are trying to kill him. They're trying to sell him into slavery. He doesn't in any sort of way think that that lowers his self-worth. He knows his self-worth. He knows his track record. He knows his objectives. He knows his dreams. And he knows that his dreams are prophetic. He knows that he will and he can achieve that which he was brought into this world to achieve. When you are Joseph-like, instead of being angry at those who seek to hurt you, you feel bad for them. Their arrows miss the mark entirely. They're shooting straight ahead, assuming that you're on the same level as they are. But the truth is, you're halfway up Mount Everest. They're back down at sea level. Joseph is miles above the attack. And we have to understand, we have incredible greatness within. We too have the ability to climb above our attackers, to be above our circumstances, whether there are other people who hold us down, or whether there are our own character flaws, the, our own things that trip us up, our true essence, our potential is above that. We can stand, we can operate at a place that is above our circumstances, and we can stand from a bird's eye view and see the picture with clarity. We can see who we can be, and then we can start to plan how to implement that in the daily life that we live. The person that we see today, that box that we created, how can we enlarge that box? Well, let's step out of it entirely. Once we look at it from the bird's eye view, we start to see where we can add, where we can subtract, how we can improve. Joseph is, a, is miles above any attack, but Yehuda and David are miles below. When someone attacks you, and again, it can be a real attacker, or it can be, metaphorically, the challenges of life, the attacker assumes that there's a target. Joseph is above the target, but David, with his incredible humility, is nowhere in sight. In the sense of a personal or benefit ego-driven sense, King David simply never showed up to work that day. When he goes to work each day in the world, he's going to work for a mission larger than self. And so when someone attacks him personally, the arrow completely misses the mark. An attack is a personal attack. And therefore, if there is no person here, there's no attack. Even if there are challenges, even if one slips up, and King David did, and Judah did, they're able to get back up because they live with the sense that their mission in this world is not about them. And so their failures don't define what their responsibilities are to the bigger mission. It's not about them. And therefore, they're able to transcend failure. They're able to transcend the attack that inevitably will come our way if we do good things in the world. If you never want to be attacked, if you never want to face resistance, don't show up. If you show up, if you aim for excellence, the resistance will be there. The impediments will be there. King David is way below those challenges, and therefore they completely miss their mark. He's not here with the power of humility and self-negation. He manages to achieve transcendence. There are two paths, two ways to be above 
everything to achieve the excellence that you're capable of achieving. Greatness and self-negation. Personal core that tells you you got this, you're above the challenge, and the humility to understand that's not about you. Now, none of us will be a perfect Joseph and none of us will be a perfect David. But if we apply the lessons that we can learn from their lives, we can become a much better version of ourselves. And the world will be a better place as a result. In the next several episodes, we're going to delve into Joseph's life specifically, the path of ambition, the path of dreams, the path of focus, the path of strength. And then from there, we'll return to David and Judah and understand the path of humility, the path of self-negation, the path of letting go. Let go and let God. Thank you for joining.